So hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Soundcast this season with myself, Glyn Price, and I'm joined on a Monday night, Ollie, uh, by yourself. How are you doing, mate? Yep, well, I'm good, thank you, mate. It's a bit different, uh, the fog has lifted, um, so yeah, yeah, good to do another pod, and yeah, we've got a guest on this week. We certainly have, yeah. I, before we introduce him, I suppose you're right, to start with, it is a new era, isn't it? We are into the uh, to the Steve Cottrell era now, aren't we? And uh, Sam Ricketts is behind us, so yeah, a good chance to get a guest on, and um, we've had a lot to cover in the last few weeks, it's been pretty difficult, hasn't it? But um, Andy Davis, yeah, you joining us, I think, for the second time on the podcast uh, to talk about everything that's gone on this week, so welcome back, mate. Yeah, good evening, boys. Good to be here. And we'll get your thoughts on everything that's happened this week, Ollie. But yeah, I suppose, where do we start? There's only one place, really, isn't there? Yeah. So obviously, um, Steve Cottrell um, was announced as the Shrewsbury Town Manager. Um, he And it was pretty quick turnaround, wasn't it? It was, what was it, 24 hours or 28 mm. hours? I can't remember the days now, but it was fast <laughs> um, after um, Sam Ricketts left. Um, yeah, um, Steve shared in his in his interview um, that he was called by the chairman about the job pretty much straight after um, the announcement was made about Sam Ricketts. And then here he is now, yeah, signed to start, signed a three and a half year deal. And obviously it's interesting because we've signed a manager that everyone knows. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, for me and all the intro stuff, then we'll probably go through some more of it now. But he's a, he's a manager that's clearly had the chairman's ear for quite a long time. Um, described in his, his interview when he joined as as being involved, really, with speaking to the chairman as far back as when we got relegated to the to the conference and offering the chairman some advice that summer before we brought in um, Jimmy Quinn, which is interesting that they've had this relationship for so long. And it, it feels like Roland's got his man, doesn't it? But um, I suppose, Andy, we'll throw to you, really. What are, what are your thoughts, really, on on the new man, I suppose, as, as a, you know, when that when was it announced, what was your overall feeling, I guess? Yeah, he's an experienced manager, isn't he? It's a bit of a, mm. a change from what we've done in the last two appointments, but I think um, he had a good reputation, didn't he? He was very in vogue for a few years, wasn't he? And, and his success at Bristol City, I think, was, you know, saw him on the up and up, didn't it? And I think that he's yep. a, he's definitely a guy who got the best out of that squad of players, and, the, you know, I, my, one of my friends is a real big Bristol City fan, and he couldn't, he speaks very highly of him. So, I'm, I'm sure guys at Birmingham might have a slightly different view um, <laughs> so those are the two things, isn't it? That his, his star was probably on the wane at the moment and he's, the length of contract would be the other thing. But other than that, I think experience was the right way to go. Uh, the chairman's obviously comfortable with the appointment, isn't he? And um, I like that of football that he produced when he was at Bristol. So there's more positives than negatives for me. Yeah, that's interesting because on social media, there was definitely two kind of themes, obviously, of two large fan bases. You had like negative Birmingham City fans and then like really positive Bristol City fans. And I guess obviously you look back at the history. Obviously, he did really well at Cheltenham as well. But yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter what he's done before. Obviously, it's going to be interesting. And also, all, all we care about is what he's going to do. But the, yeah, the fans wanted an experienced manager. We've definitely got that. Um, he was keen to, keen to stress that he's been watching games every week. He's watching loads of games and Y Scout and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's a positive, isn't it, Glenn? That he is that experienced manager. The poor bloke, the first thing he did when he came into the club was watched our last six games back, Ollie. I thought he might have wanted to run for the hills if you watched them back, to be honest. But, I mean, how often have I been saying on the podcast, you know, when we sort of brought Ricketts in as far back as then when we were talking about the manager there, I've been saying for a while now that I'd like us to change our model and go for someone experienced. Obviously, I was kind of championing Paul Hurst on that last podcast on the principle that he'd done the job we need someone to come and do, which is save us from relegation. But... Um, looking at what Cottrell's done as well at Bristol City when he first went in there, he, he kept them up in a similar, if not as bad situation we're in now as, as we are in League One, um, did the same thing with Bristol City. So he's got that relegation battle mentality as well, if need be. And also then on the flip side, if he can do that job, there's probably 
more positives in this summer coming forward than maybe we would have had under Ricketts. So, um, yeah, he, he ticks a lot of the boxes for me. And then interestingly, I, I think I've mentioned a few times on the podcast, one of my best mates at university was a, a Cheltenham fan. So I actually went and watched a lot of Cheltenham um, games during the, the Cottrell era, culminating when they won the playoff final at the Millennium Stadium. I think it was against Russian and Diamond. And so I actually saw quite a lot of his football when he was kind of making his way um, in the game first as a manager with Cheltenham and the Cheltenham fans loved him and he did play quite an interesting and exciting brand of football then particularly for a little club like Cheltenham and you know brought them up two divisions and stuff and so I've got kind of got fond memories of him from that time as well which is interesting so yeah he's gone around the houses before he's finally turned up at Shrewsbury but I'm, I'm certainly interested and excited to, to see what he can bring really and um yeah, it's it's going to be going to be fascinating to see how it goes, Andy. And I suppose it, you know it's going to be a case of him getting his foot, foot under the table, really, and and learning as many lessons as he can. Obviously, we'll cover the game in a minute, but there'll be lots of things he'll be learning from training as well, won't there? I think he comes across as a as a full on football guy. If you think about yeah. the likes of um, Ian Holloway or Neil Warnock, guys that live and breathe football, he's quite feisty as well, which I quite mm. like. Uh, and and sort of during the first forty eight hours, he said all the right things, didn't he? In terms of his analysis of our squad. The fitness levels, where we're at currently, and um, I think he, I think he gets the bigger picture straight away, you know. And he's not going to put up with no um, BS, is he? No, he's not. I liked his um, question. James Bond said, "You know, is this a challenge?" And his his quick response was, <laughs> "Have you seen the league table?" And I like that. And yeah, in his post match for the Oxford game as well, he gave away some tactical stuff. Not gave away, but he actually shared, which is we haven't had for a while. Paul Hurst was quite similar. He would share stuff. So I think yeah. post matches are going to be good, which means Lewis, content, Lewis Cox is going to have more content. So yeah, hopefully it should be a bit more enjoyable. Before we get to a question, which I'll ask you two guys to answer, um, interesting about the three and a half year deal. I remember talking to Brian about contracts and stuff a while ago. And um, he said to me that, you know, you know, in terms of longer deals, you'd cap any kind of payoff and things like that. So while, yes, it's a three and a half year deal, um, you know, using an NFL term, Andy, I wouldn't say yeah. this is a three and a half year guaranteed, you know, if it doesn't work out. <laughs> no, that's a good point, Ollie, actually. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it's a good point. I think I'd agree with you as well, Ollie. You know, it, it's tr it's tricky with any contract in in the modern game, isn't it? You know, they're only worth as much as as, as you know you want to put stock in them on that specific day. But at the end of the day, that contract could someone could come in, and if it is, there is some security there for us if he's done well in a year and a half's time, and someone else thinks okay, he's revitalised his his kind of reputation in the game a little bit following. The, the problems he had at Birmingham City, then yeah, it protects us and potentially gives us a little bit of a, a profit out of him for, for helping him back from from being out of the game for two years. So yeah, I, I very much doubt, I, I have a suspicion he won't be here for three and a half years. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't well, know in terms not? of... <laughs> it's an interesting well, point, actually. Something I thought about this, you know, he's managing the championship. He's managed bigger top clubs than Shrewsbury. Um, he says he's been offered championship jobs, but I'm just plain devil's advocate here if he's really successful and he's happy why would he not stay here for a really long time could Steve Cotter not be a manager that's actually you know if he does well he's here longer than three and a half years interesting yeah. theory rather than the two years and failure we have no I would agree well, with that and I would also point out that um, if worse comes to the worst and we are relegated um, I'd be confident that he's got the ability to, to bring us back up whereas I don't think that was in that place maybe he's two weeks ago sorry sorry Andy what's your expectation for him to do this season just as a as a baseline now he's come in at this point of the season are you expecting him to keep us up it, yeah that would be uh, that would be the, <laughs> the most we could expect yeah that would be um I think it's massive ask me again at the end of January um, mm. if, if you ask me now then in, in betting terms I'd be um yeah, I'll be on the negative side of it, but you know, it's it's okay. it's too early to say, isn't it? So, but ask me again yeah. in the January, and you'll have a better idea. But it's a it's a real tough ask, 
I don't think people understand the uh, the size of the task, put it that well, way. Yeah, that's something we can come back to in the Oxford game because, yeah, there was some interesting, interesting fan reactions. We'll definitely come back to that. And one question, we'll ask you guys a question, then we'll ask Andy some more questions. So a um, question to both to, to Andy and to Glenn, a um, question from Matt on, on Twitter. Um, is the appointment of Steve Cottrell the biggest appointment in town's history? I'll, I'll start. I asked a similar question on Twitter, actually, Ollie, uh, myself, as, as, you know, in terms of a reputation of a manager and, and having managed at a higher level, how far back do you have to go to find someone of that ilk? And uh, it's probably before my time. So, Andy, it's probably more of a question for you to ask. But I saw a lot of people saying John Bond, he had a certain reputation in the game, Andy, um, and maybe that's as far back as you'd go to, to match that. But I don't know if you've got any different thoughts on that. Um, no, I don't think he is. It could prove to be, uh, but it's too mm. early to say that, isn't it? I think... Um, if you look past Graham Turner, then you're, you're looking too far, to be honest. That was the biggest yeah. appointment for me. Yeah, yeah, well, for what he did and what he ended up doing for the club yeah. in, in yeah. both sort of 10 years of his t- time at, uh, at the Meadow. Um, this could be if he keeps us up and, and builds a squad, you know, that was on a parallel with what Paul Hurst did, then um, it could be a different conversation, you know, two and a half years down the line. But at the minute, I would still say it's uh, inconclusive, isn't it? So. Mm. I, I think my, my question was, I suppose it throws that question out a bit, Ollie, is that I was thinking about, you know, someone that's come into this club with a bit of a reputation. Obviously, you look at, you know, you look at Turner when he came back in last time. He obviously had been sort of slopping around with Hereford for a few years down the bottom leagues. Mellon came from lower, you know, um, Hurst, Askey, Ricketts. I suppose it's it's been a while since we had someone that had a, a bit more of a standing in the game as a manager, not as a, as a player. And I think that's where people were saying John Bond and, you know, going back to even the 50s and stuff when what, yeah. Rowley obviously had a reputation. But for me, that was my question was slightly different. Ollie, I, I don't know what you yeah, think yeah. about that, really. I think um, if you're going to talk about presence, the, the guy mm. with the most presence at Solop, I would say for me, was Ian McNeil, who okay. came in sort of uh, in between all those guys there. He mm. was a real guy of presence. You know, you knew where... Uh, what he was talking about and, and spoke very well. So I thought he was a, a real football guy. It was uh, carried a lot of credit within the, within the football you know, mm. community. So that was my go. Before my time, Andy, before my time, <laughs> <laughs> but you'd know cool. better than me. I don't know. Does that answer your question, Ollie? Yeah, yeah, it does. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, a few more questions. So, so yeah, obviously we hear a lot from ourselves, Glenn, but yeah, let's focus. It's interesting to hear what Andy has to say. So, yeah. so Andy, like, what would you kind of expect and kind of what formation do you think the manager should go for with the current squad? Obviously, he's going to have a bit of time in January, but but right now and even after January, what, what do you think he should focus on? Um, without a shadow of a doubt, 3-5-2 because of the players he's got. It's, it's my preferred formation anyway, but, but absolutely with the players that he's got, I just don't see any other way. I just, I just don't see how he can play um, four four two or even consider it <clears throat> with the players at his disposal. The only time you can play four four two, if you think back to um, the Hurst era, for example, you've got two solid centre halves, one right foot, one left foot, uh, and two solid full backs who know how to defend and tuck in. So whether mm-hmm. we use Beckles or whether we use Bolton or whatever the combination was, all four know how to defend, all four are strong aerially. You've got that balance of left and right foot, you've got that understanding. To play four at the back is fundamentally far, far different to playing five. Now, this is not a personal attack, but the three centre-halves that we've got, for whatever reason, for different reasons, have all got a, a rick in them, <laughs> unfortunately. And that's coming from the, you know, the opposing managers. Um, and that's just the way it is. And, and, and you, you know, It nearly happened on Sunday, didn't it, with Williams. He's quite young, he's quite raw, he's quite liable to make a mistake, whether it's a, at Anfield or on Sunday when he, you know, his first touch was a little bit heavy. Pierre's not been the same player this year that he was was last year, and mm. you may be seeing some of the reasons why he wasn't picked up, you know, from Northampton earlier in his career. 
And yeah. then Ebanks Landell, you know, Sheffield United fans will tell you exactly the same. Good, solid player, committed, strong in the tackle, but he'll, he'll give you one or two every game. And that's the reality of the situation. And after that, we don't have any more options. So, <laughs> unfortunately, no two of that three combination would suffice for me as a four. So you, you are left by default with a, with a sort of three at the back, if you like. Yeah. Um, the fullbacks we've got at the club are not proper fullbacks in, in many regards. You know, Love's being left out in the cold. Goldborn's been injured. Mm. Daniels is not in his current age and fitness levels is not a fullback. So you, we are. I've got so many square pegs in round holes. And then we've got a glut of midfield players. And then uh, I don't even know what's going on up front. So it, it, <laughs> by default, by default, we are a 3-5-2 unit. And I think Cottrell's preferred formation is 3-5-2. If it's played the right way, and we might need a whole new podcast to, to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So actually, that leads nicely onto my next question. So, what do you think are the biggest challenges for the manager? Oh wow. Um, from from back to front, really. Um, I I just think that we are we are slow with the ball at feet. Um, transition plays. We invite pressure. Sunday was a perfect example of it. You know, a, a team from several leagues below were were able to put on the full press. That's just you know that's just not not good enough, not quick enough for the ball, mm. not slick enough in in possession, and that goes from back to front. It's just you know not comfortable to carry the ball five or ten yards to change the angle of attack. We don't play the right ball. We did actually do it a few times on Sunday, which was a glimmer of promise for me. So what I'm talking about is so that if if it's a right sided centre half, the ball needs to be played in the channel. So between the full back and the centre half, somewhere between the two lines. A bit needs to be played in. Uh, it needs to be played in golf terms with a bit of draw on it, not fade. Mm. So it needs to curl in so that, that the defender is, if they're first to it, are forced to play the ball. Now a couple of times their big centre half didn't he Sunday had to sort of hoof it out for a throw in, and that's the kind of ball that will build pressure if you can't get it into feet. Our guys just seem unable to do that. Certainly from the left side, we can't do it because we haven't got a left footer. But from the right side, even, it's either a cross-field ball or a ball straight out of play yeah. because they use the wrong part of the foot. I feel like I'm talking to 10-year-olds, not, not um, <laughs> professional footballers. Rather than using the instep to caress it and put a bit of backspin on it and, and a bit of side spin, it's, it's quite bizarre, to be honest. Um, and, and then the first option should be inside or to your wing back, but we just don't seem to have that base from which to start um, you know, transition. It's bizarre. It really you just need to chip it to the back post, Andy. <laughs> That's about it most of the time. <laughs> so you say yeah, transition is our biggest issue. Our, our, our how we play in the ball, when we've got the ball is probably the biggest biggest challenge. What well, if you face. think about Sunday where we started with pure Morley up front? Your long ball's out of the game, isn't it? So we are going to invite the press, aren't we? Because we yeah. can't go long. They're never going to win anything long in the air. It's never going to be any second balls or anything of that nature. So we are looking for either a counter attack or we're going to have to play through the lines to get to get where we need to get to. So there's your starting point. I just don't think any of the three look comfortable in possession, particularly not at pace mm. anyway. Certainly yeah. not at the pace you, that's required to to open teams up effectively. It's just very safe, isn't it? You know, I think the manager talked about them trying to do too much. That's probably the one thing I didn't agree with. It didn't look like we tried to do too much to me. <laughs> it looked like we were very safe and um, almost frightened of making a mistake at, at some points. Yeah, he said that we were almost like rushing and stuff yeah. to do things, yeah. other than yeah, yeah. doing the wrong pass. 
um, not making the right decision. Um, so, yeah, that's, it was interesting. In terms of the back three, Andy, what do you think needs to be done to improve them and around them? Because I remember the, is it the second goal against MK Dons? Where Walker was on his isolated on his own, and we basically the back three were all out of place. What's the kind of the biggest issue you see with the back three out operating at the moment? Awareness, I think a desire to defend as well. I think that you can't physically knock them because they all do put tackles in, and, and I think they've all been very good at that at the time they've been in the club. So you can't knock that. Um, and last year they were very good, weren't they? Individually, I thought they played all mm-hmm. did all did well. So I'm, I'm sort of reluctant to be too critical. But some real basic fundamentals that they're just not there. Awareness from crosses is one. Um, how many rebounds have we have we been second yeah. to this year? You know, that's the basic. As soon as that shot's released or crossed or whatever it is towards the goalkeeper, you know, one of the first rules of defending is you get older, you forward and you shield that, you know, that rebound, you're first to it, whatever happens. And that, that hasn't happened on three or four occasions that I can think of off the top of my head. That's just raw, basic coaching. Um, deficiencies for me. Um, I just don't know how you would miss that from a from a guy sitting down and watching the DVD on Monday and thinking, right, what's the opportunity there? Well, we need to we need to box it out in basketball terms, you know, box it out and make sure the, the forward can't get in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. Does that just come more... back from basic training and just what what oh, they do in the week? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you're watching a game over and you've made the same mistake twice in two weeks, that's, that's well, that's the thing. We we've that's, been looking that's... for. We've been trying to. <laughs> figure out what's going wrong and yeah ultimately we came down to the manager and what he's doing with the team um was but what's well, the options what what are the options if either of those three guys don't have the are in a rut of you know poor form or it, things aren't going quite their way or low on confidence what are the options that's one yeah. of the that's the biggest that's one of the well there's two two of two further issues it's not just what they're doing on the pitch it's we're playing three at the back and we've got three centre-halves. Yeah, okay, Walker can do a job there, but for me, it's not his preferred position. No, not uh, at all. Not it's at all. The, squad the squad's in balance, isn't it? The squad, yeah. the squad uh, balance is, is shocking, isn't it? Um, in terms of the the amount of square pegs we've got in round holes is frightening, yeah. to be quite frank. You know, whether it's wing-backs, full-backs. If you want to play four at the back, then I'm cool with that. But you, you've got to make sure your two centre-halves are your two best players on the side. One's right-footed, one's left-footed. You've got cover for each position. Your full-backs are, are strong as well and understand how to tuck in and, you know, to play on the swivel. Um, and then you build your team from there and play two wide men. But that's not a problem, even a 4-5-1. But at the minute, we've just got so many square pegs in round holes. It, it's just, it beggars belief what the plan was to begin with or the process, should I say. Yeah, It just and doesn't make any sense. And you've got to pick no. that up now and, you know, and, and run with it, really. And is that what you mean when? Because I've seen you on Twitter. Because I've seen so a lot of fans say, "Oh, we've got you know, we've got a good squad here." I mean, we've got some decent individuals, um, you know, you know, players that are rated at this level. But clearly, yeah. as a functioning team, it's not working. So, kind of without being like too descriptive on which players, kind of which which areas of the you know, people have been say you've been saying we haven't got a good squad as such. So, kind of what areas do you think of the team we need to improve, and what makes you think that we don't have a good squad? Name names, Andy. I, I wouldn't care. Name names. <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, I think you have to remember. So the first thing you have to say is that they're playing without confidence, aren't they? So yep. any any player is going to be twenty five percent better when they're, when they're full of confidence and things are going their way. So you have to take that. At the minute, they're a team struggling. They're, they're in the relegation zone. They were they were on a hiding to nothing on Sunday because if they got beat, the world would have you know caved in and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So you have to take all that into consideration. But when you look at them. Um, you know, you take the TV production on Sunday. We don't look a good side, do we? We don't. We don't look a confident, 
well oiled, well drilled. So, it looked awful. Yeah, is probably the word to, yeah. to use. We don't look, we don't look confident with ball at feet. Every touch seems to be a little bit heavy or a little bit. It bounces up. It, it, we don't look a good side, do we? You know that's that's the reality of it. And you look at the the measure of a good defence is is the amount of goals we can see. Do we struggle in that area? We've struggled in goalkeeper in terms of turning over the keepers. It's, all three have had an opportunity. No, I thought he did really well on Sunday. Yeah, I thought he, he was did. excellent. I thought his distribution was really good. I thought his communication to his back three was really good. Um, he was brave. He was commanding. Everything you want from a goalkeeper, he did, didn't he? So if we can get, yeah. you know. Um, that could be the starting point for me. That would be a block to build off. So that we've got one. We know that Williams is still young and still learning. I think he's a block we can build off. Um, but I think Pierre, there's a player there, but I think if I'm being brutal, I think his fitness is not as sharp as it was last year. No. Um, I'm not sure um, we need full backs. <laughs> I know we recruited 17 in the off season, but we still need <laughs> proper, pr- proper full backs to play the wing back position. Or if we're going to go to a four, then you need another defender. If not, maybe it's two. Um, the midfield is a is an is the odd one for me. Start with Josh Feller. I think he for five minutes on Sunday he he sort of dominated the midfield. But that's five minutes out of he's been here mm. for ten months. Um, there's a player there, isn't there? He's, he's been here for a year now. Yeah, he's got pedigree, hasn't he? You can see there's a player in there, but again, fitness. But for five minutes he wanted the ball off people and was screaming at people and he got it and popped it around and then he just disappeared again. That's yeah. not. That, that's not good enough. You know, Ollie Norburn um, is an enigma to me. Um, I'm just not sure what his best role is. Um, I just want him to grab the club by the scruff of the neck and drag us forward because I think he's yeah. got it in him. It's almost as though he's playing within himself. I think he's got it in him to, to be that player, but I don't know what, what it is that's holding him back. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. And you've got the young guys around him, the highs and the, the guys from Brentford and all that. I don't Sambia. know what you've got. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know what you've got with that. So... I think it's a great point you make, Andy, about wanting someone to grab it. And I've been saying this for a while, haven't I, Andy, about, um, sorry, Ollie, about this, about how you want a midfielder to have one of those games where you think, right, for that 90 minutes, he tried to impose his will on this game. For the full game, he led by example. I, I can't think of one single game this season where any of the variety of midfielders playing in the central positions have done that. Not not, not, not even Walker. He's not done it for 90 minutes. And that that's the big problem, isn't it? There's a, there seems to be a real lack of leadership in the central area. Um, and you've got Passive. experienced players in there, which is which is the worry. They're passive. That's what they are. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, um, I, I watched the game on my dinner hour on, um, on Sunday. I was at work. And the amount of times I punched the radiator because the second <laughs> balls were just bouncing down. And every time they were picking them up, there was no anticipation there, no gamble, no idea of where to be. We don't look like there's a goal between them. You know, you know. Do you, no disrespect, but just... Do you think the fact that we changed formation doesn't help that? No, I think that's a get, a get out of jail free. Get out of jail free card. No, okay. rubbish, absolute rubbish. And, I, yeah. and the reason I sent you that um, um, snapshot today of, of a five-three-two being playing properly is because if, if if you've got you don't need one holding midfielder. You don't you need one guy sitting there. Three. Break. He can break play up, pop it off, lay it up to the wing back, lay it back, or whatever you want to do. You, you don't need anybody else in there. Let the two guys at the, at the tip of the triangle go and bomb on. You know, take it in turns, do what you want. That's the way to to play that formation. Our guys just don't look like they're going to penetrate. They don't look like they've got a shot in them. They don't look like they're going to break into the box and support the front men. It's just so passive. It's just, oh, it, it drives me insane, to be honest. You know, mm, yeah, absolutely. There's some of the things that Cottrell mentioned at the end of his press conference when he's chatting to Lewis about a number of players in the box. 
Um, he was talking about, you know, when we get in the box, we've already broken their lines. We're cutting it back. We'll yeah. put it across the box. He was saying about how, you know, yeah, if you've got, you know, you have two strikers in the box, you want a midfielder and the other wing back in the box. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One goes, one stays. That's, that's mm. you know, an age old adage, isn't it? And it's just, yeah. you know, just, it's just too passive for me. There's not enough desire, not enough want there. And I think you're right, Glenn. I think they need to take the grain by the scruff of the neck, not just one, week, right. but every week. Every, yeah. Dominate. You know, second balls and all that. I just, I think Edwards tries, but I think obviously he's coming to a point in his career where, you know, maybe the legs aren't operating as fast as the brain wants yeah. him to. But you know, he can still be used in the right situations. Absolutely. I want, I want Edwards' attitude and desire in Nolly or Norburn's body. That'd be perfect at the moment. But unfortunately, you've kind of got a bit, of, a bit of both in either room, and it doesn't really, doesn't really work. It doesn't bit. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the game, Ollie, I have got one question for Andy, which I meant to add to the agenda and I forgot. But obviously, we, we mentioned it last time you're on. But you are, you know, an ex-professional footballer. You've seen it behind the scenes, and you've seen what squads and teams react like. And you've got you, you've had contacts in the game, people you sort of played with as you were younger and, and gone through it. And obviously, we're at a point now where a squad has been working under a manager for for a year and a half, and they're just going into a new manager now. And sort of two questions really how hard is that transition can it be can it be a weight off their shoulders and two what have you seen or what do you think a manager can do to change the mentality because again for me the game we're going to talk about now is Ricketts-esque you know they didn't shake off the shackles of Ricketts unfortunately and so yeah how does that how does that transition go and also what can uh, Cottrell do to kind of lift that mentality maybe lift that positivity I think a lot of it's down to personality from experience. Mm-hmm. I think about my, my time at Torquay, first, second time around, we had a, a guy in charge called, he was a local lad, you know, um, uh, Paul Compton, and it was clear that we were heading for relegation. Uh, a lot of the lads were unhappy. Um, you know, the, the, Jer- the gosses or the loves of the world were, <laughs> you know, sitting on the sideline doing nothing and, and weren't, you know, flavour of the month. Um, uh, and they brought in Neil Warnock uh, and, yeah, and his yeah. personality... You know, he brought in a couple of players, uh, a couple of experienced lads that he knew. Brought along Kevin Blackwell with him, which who sort of follows him around the the managerial um, <laughs> merry-go-round, uh, and he changed it. You know, I think he won six games on the spin, and you know, before he knew it, um, you know, Dwayne Darby was there actually. Dwayne was oh, playing legend. Yeah, yeah, and um, Neil was a big fan of his. But yeah, it just just sort of shows you that you know a change of ethos, a change of approach. Um, you know, he was very. Sort of the difference in the change room in terms of communication was a lot different. You know, being held accountable for your actions, being held accountable for what you did. You know, outside of the the, the realms of training. You know, doing your own little bits, working on set pieces, working on, you know, set moves, all that sort of stuff was just far more detail, far more mm. focused, far more focused on fitness. You know, afternoon sessions, putting them on. You know, do what you can, do whatever it takes, and then everyone buys into that ethos. It's no surprise that, or no coincidence that wherever he goes, he has success. Yeah. It works, you know. There's no, there's no, um, there's no secret to, to hard work. That, that's that's what it is. And for me, it looked like the, these guys are comfortable. They're all very complimentary around Ricketts, weren't they? Been a great yeah. guy, very supportive. He's been great for me. Can't thank him enough. We've let him down and all that. All got very cozy, didn't it? You know, mm. nice guy, wasn't he? You know, you know. My Finley said to me when he left, oh, I'm, "I'm gutted, Dad." I said, "Why?" He said, "Well, he spoke to me more than Hurst or Askey did." You know, mm. and he was, wasn't he? He was a really nice guy, but I just think yeah. that there has to be that tension there, doesn't there? In any, any any line of management, there has to be that layer of tension. And I think we'd lost that to a degree. I think we'd lost that. And that's what I've, I think Cottrell will bring back in a big yeah, way. Yeah, I think it, 
a younger manager must must find that harder to be the bad cop more than someone that's had, as we say, 25 years in the game or a Warnock who's got that effervescent attitude. And you, you, what you've just said kind of makes me feel a little bit better about things, Ollie, and I'll throw it back to you because, you know, you find, I, I, I would think that Cottrell falls more under a Neil Warnock type of manager, maybe not as extreme than a, than a Sam Ricketts does. Does that make sense? So, yeah, maybe he is the right man at the right time, I suppose. Yeah, he's got a bit of a steeliness to him. He's quite confident yeah. in himself. Um, yeah, and as Andy said at the start, he doesn't take any BS. Um, so I think, yeah, we just didn't feel like we were just like screaming almost on the podcast, going, "How can they keep doing the same things?" You know, <laughs> some of the goals we conceded, like they should be watching that back with a almost like a fear and a tension that you could cut of a knife. But I just yeah. don't get the sense there was any kind of discussion about why on earth this happened or why did no one track this man or why did the goalkeeper do that and doesn't seem to be any consequences to anyone it felt like a bit of a, a boys a bit of a boys holiday they're all just you know gone on a football summer term you know with you lads from the way supporters all having a bit mm. of a laugh and a few beers after the game said so, oh yeah i'm lucky at norbs we but, took it pretty seriously ollie you got to remember you know that in the way supporters you know i mean there's especially, no <laughs> didn't feel like there's especially any, with andy playing at the back <laughs> but you didn't feel <laughs> like you got in the dressing room you're going to be like oh like not that you want them to be fearful of the manager but there just didn't seem to be any kind of professional pride and it just seemed all a bit as andy said no. All a bit too easy and lax. Yeah, I totally agree. They're, they're definitely going to get more of a kick up the arse now. I'm, I'm almost certain of it. And and they deserve it because I suppose we can leave that little introduction there in terms of yeah. you know getting everyone's thoughts on the manager. But in, in essence, if you're talking about kicks up the arse, there's nothing from this Oxford game that would have stopped it from happening because in reality, even though we've won this game, they deserve to be a kick up the arse at the end of it again. So yeah, um, we shall move on now to talking about the uh, second round of the FA Cup. Clicked on towards Laurent, who's made that his. This could seal it for 3-1. Laurent, can he finish? No, he can't. Akinabiri, he can. Salford hopes a dash in stoppage time. So, Shrewsbury Town 1, Oxford City 0. So, yeah, we, we got through. We weren't, um, yeah, uh, a scalp for Oxford City, so that was good. Took a bit longer than we we'd hoped, but we got the win, and that was the main thing. Um, and even mm-hmm. got a clean sheet as well, so there's a positive there. Um, interesting um, stat apparently. I saw someone put on Twitter that Ado is the only player to score against Oxford City and United. So yeah, I think yeah. Of that's true because I'm repeating it. Um, but yeah, interesting one that I thought. Um, yeah. In terms of lineup, um, there was a few changes into the side. So um, Goski came in. Um, which was a surprise for everyone, I thought. Um, and Sarchich came in, which is maybe even a bigger surprise. We thought he was injured. So we played <laughs> a, I'll describe it as a 3 4 1 2, um, or we could describe it as a 5, you know, um, two midfielders and a number 10. But we had um, Sarchich in goal, Williams, uh, Ebanks, Landon, Pierre in defence. And then we had Charlie Daniels left, and we had Vela playing on the right, um, Norburn and Goss in the middle, and Edwards as the number 10, um, and then um, Wally and Pew up front. So yeah, Glenn, were you a bit surprised when you saw that lineup? Um, I think it's just another nail in poor old Harry Bogoyan's coffin, isn't it? That Sarkic has got off the injury bench and got a place straight away. And obviously it was Ricketts that brought Bogoyan in. And I suppose Ricketts brought all these players in. But um, yeah, you suspect Stark Sarkic after his performance particularly will have impressed the new manager. So he'll be he'll be number one from now on. Um, in terms of it, yeah, I, I wasn't that surprised. You know, we are a team that is lacking fitness and rotation is required so there was obviously going to be some changes um the front three kind of picked themselves after the, the sort of at least positive performance they had first half against mk dons and, and goss probably deserved to go you know he's as fresh as anyone um and it, and it was worth a, worth a gamble there really um a bit harsh again we keep talking about walker he doesn't seem to get a chance under any manager at the moment and despite him playing quite well in the games 
but wasn't really that surprised by the lineup. It was kind of it was kind of what I expected really, other than uh, other than um, the keeper really. But um, yeah, I don't know, Andy. What, what about what about Goss coming back in? Have you have you been lamenting him being missed, or did you not see enough last season for for that to be a problem? I, I don't think any of the squad can command a place or expect a place. <laughs> so um, nothing surprises me or disappoints me. To be fair, I think once upon a time we'd all get quite. You know, uh, we'd have our opinions strongly in one way or another, and people would press cases. I think this season you could pick, I don't know, yeah, next next man up, isn't it? I, I just think that there's, apart from the goalkeeper on on Sunday again, very little was there to to impress, was there, or demanded of a place for the next game, really. Mm-hmm. There's, any, there's only Wally, really. I keep thinking at the moment that deserves to be that person that you'd think then the you, outfield you players. Who, yeah, he doesn't do it for whole game, does he? No, but he does it for longer than most of them do. Yeah, so that's, that's a, a fair, positive. A fair point. No, I thought he, I thought he, uh, he wanted the ball, didn't he, on Sunday? Yeah, he, did. yeah, he, he, yeah. You know, he got took, took quite a bit of stick, didn't he? So I think I, you know, you can't fault his endeavour. But um, no. you know, outside of Wally and the goalkeeper, it was it wasn't it wasn't great again, was it? No, no, it certainly wasn't. So. We were talking about going through this game, Ollie, and obviously it, it was a bit poor. <laughs> we'll get to that as we go through, but we'll pick up some of the key moments and then really talk about what we thought was going on, I suppose. Yeah, so, yeah, not too much to kind of start. The BBC highlights started with when Wally's effort, which was actually in the 40, and the, yeah, five minutes for end of the half. So that says Brilliant. a lot. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> a couple of nice flicks of Edwards playing in the middle, but nothing too much. Um, I thought it was interesting. There was quite a lot of fouls and salad players when we were running. Um, but to be fair, we were fouling them as well. Um, but yeah, maybe it's just worth kind of going straight to the first real chance. So nice ball over the top from Williams. Um, and then basically Wally's basically, Wally and Pugh are, are two on one. I don't know really sure what happened to um, to Oxford City's defence at this point. But basically he comes in and he kind of pulls it back, drags it to the side, and he decides to chip the keeper. We're actually probably passing it to Pew, who was running on with some momentum. Probably would have been mm. the better choice. Um, and yeah, he chipped the keeper and the keeper caught it. And that was the best chance of the half, really. I would have expected it. To be fair to Wally, I think he would have backed himself to score that. It was not It was a difficult-ish chance, I suppose, but not beyond his skills and abilities against a non-league keeper. The keeper kind of just got it right, didn't he? But yeah, I mean, what, what minute was that, Ollie? Was it like the 47th minute, you said? And that, that sums it up, doesn't it, Andy, that yeah. we created nothing in that first half, didn't we? And, and you know, what what you know, we've talked about the generalities of everything going on at the moment, but what in this specific game do you think was the reason we were just so anemic at creating any chances again? We're just so slow with everything we do. Yeah. Aren't we? we just from back to front. It's just pedestrian, isn't it? It takes us an age to to sort of get the ball under control. And there's no the, the lack of movement's frightening. I, 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 um, there was one or two that were hiding more more so second yeah. half. So what I mean by that is, in terms of the angles they were showing, they were conveniently behind the man rather than the mm. space, which is pretty pretty poor at that level. If I'm really honest, so I don't know. I don't know. What the what the issue is, but it's just it's just too slow, just too slow. And if you're you know allowing a a lower tier team to to full press you like that, and, and they look like scoring every time we had the ball. I, I thought yeah. we just looked like a mistake waiting to happen, particularly in the first half. I just just on tenter hooks all the time, and uh, I just thought it was <laughs> painful. I couldn't wait for the half time whistle to come. To be honest, T- yeah. teaching this lot Ollie to pass out from the back is going to be an interesting experiment, isn't it? <laughs> Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. You talked about that, about picking the right pass. I know you weren't very keen on it. I guess if you're going to change Scary. the style and try and change the team, you're going to have to, you're going to, have Do to it. start somewhere. Oh, I uh, totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. It's going to cause um, mistakes, I think, as we go on. Yeah, it is. But I guess he's trying to force the players not to hide. Yep. Um, yep. Not a, it's not a big ask, though, guys. No, to, to no professional to footballers. Pay. 
to play four or five passes across the back and, and move them about a little bit. So from left to right or right to left, uh, uh, it shouldn't be so painful. Uh, it really shouldn't. Not when you're playing three and you can spread them out. You know, they're playing one up top. So in essence, they've got one striker and you've got three centre-halves. The middleman gets it. He goes left or right, depending on where the press is and we can go from there. Uh, yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't look as painful as that. It really shouldn't. So. Which is really interesting, which is a nice lead on to kind of a tweet I did. And then um, was chatting to you in private message with a couple of others. And then also just on, it just felt like at one point, it felt like me versus the world on Twitter. Because all the town fans were <laughs> going, wrong. like <laughs> mental. And I was just like, what did everyone expect? And I did a tweet well, saying, like, I think everyone needs to calm down a little bit. This team is a shambles. The squad's a, a, a shambles. And to set to anything else for me was a bit of a surprise. And I was just surprised by everyone's surprise almost that we were this dog shit. I would totally have agreed with you if it was a league game, Ollie. Uh, I would 100% agree with you. But we were playing a team three divisions below us, Oxford, Oxford City. And as much as we'll say, okay, they were credible and they, they pressed quite well in the first half and they worked hard, they were abject. Oxford City were not a good team. They were awful going forward. And we were really, really poor against them in, in terms of creating chances. And for me, I, that's why I was getting so agitated at halftime. If it had been a Sam Ricketts game, I would have been tearing my hair out at it. Um, because, well, it was a Sam Ricketts game, essentially, in terms of the way the game went. Because... For me, and we'll get to the second half, that was the worst 90 minutes of the season. There's no doubt about it that that was the worst performance we put in for 90 minutes because we were playing a team. I don't think you went three as bad as Ipswich. It didn't go nah, as deep, I would. Didn't go I as, would. Deep as would. that where people just totally turned off. Um, we Ipswich, had worse moments um, than Ipswich that. were a good League One team, Ollie. We were playing a th- three divisions below us, Oxford City, who have been on an awful run since they beat Northampton. Let's not let's not pretend that this was some sort of half-decent non-league team. We were but on you, the up and up. So you expected us to turn up and play nice passing football and play with I, confidence? I didn't expect anything like that, but I expected our quality, which there is in this team, to at least win this game comfortably. That's what I went into this game thinking we were going to do. Maybe 2-0. Even that's quite a low a- anticipation. I completely agree we're in trouble and there's a lot of problems. But, you know, you thought, my God, that new manager bounce. Some of the pressure comes off. It's an FA Cup game. There was everything for us to show in that game. And I was I was worried about how crap we played in this game in terms of it's not Cottrell's fault. We're not, not blaming the new manager. It just was another eye-opening experience of how much work there is for this new manager to be done. And um, he, the only positive I take at the end of the game, which we get to it, is that he learned a lot from this because there was very little to take out this game that was positive in terms of player um, player ability. I, d- I don't know. That's my view. I'm sure that not every fan but agreed. I, Obviously, you didn't, Ollie. And I'm you see what, what Andy why said. I'm, yeah, to see why I'm... I don't know. I just don't understand why anyone expected anything but a shambles. Um, I don't know what your view is, Andy. What did you expect from the team? I, I just think I've seen a lot of sound bites around how, how good the squad is, how how, how many good players we've mm. got, and, and that it's it was all down to Ricketts. And um, whilst I believe that Ricketts made a lot of fundamental errors, I think he let a lot of talent disappear from the club, whether it's non-playing staff or, or playing staff, whether it's Faye, Sadler, Laurent, Coyne, Henschel, Beckles, Barrow, Bolton, Issa could go on and on and on yeah and, and and we've replaced it with what i would believe to be less caliber individuals and players and non-players uh, and what we're left with is significantly worse than we were sort of 12 18 months ago and, and i'm going back further than that even that so it's not just about players it's about personality and characters and and, and Sunday's an example of that. It was never going to be pretty from the yeah. start. Absolutely not. 
A, we haven't got the confidence. B, I would argue that we don't have that ability in the, in the squad. Uh, and, and C, because of where we are in the league position and all that and what's gone on. But you expect to be able to quell the fire and, and, and sort of out-battle them and then win the, win the right to play a bit of football potentially in the last half hour and use your fitness advantage. I couldn't have told you who was the league team and it was an on-league team from yep. a fitness perspective. Yep. They looked to me like they were sharper to the second ball, uh, wanted it a little bit more than we did. And probably on the on the balance of the game, although they weren't particularly good going forward, they had the better chances. Yeah, they were awful. Yeah. yeah, but they threatened more from set pieces. They they created the better openings, to be honest, uh, in in some instances. And you, you wouldn't have known from a neutral's perspective who was the league one no. team and who was an on-league team. So well, our goalkeeper had them. more saves to make. <laughs> Let's be fair. Our goalkeeper was worked more than their goalkeeper. Yep. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. Now, whether it's a case of, you know, like I said earlier, you know, square pegs and round holes and all that, I just don't think we've got a squad that's fit to compete at the level we're currently at, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest. I just don't think mm. we've got that. We haven't got the players to play 4-4-2. We haven't got the players to play 3-5-2. We've got a bit of a mix, haven't we? Uh, I just think we've got, I don't know, uh, I was talking about valuation <laughs> of the squad. You know, what, what's Ricketts done to, to the club in terms of, adding value or taking value away. In my opinion, we're, we're significantly worse off than we were 12, 18 months ago by, by some considerable margin as well. You know, we don't yep. have the goal threat, do we? We don't, you know, you've signed players of a certain age and then scratch your heads when they're injured. Well, <laughs> that's what you get with older players, with your Edwards and your Leon Clarks and things of that nature. They are more susceptible to injuries on a more regular basis. That's just what happens. With young loan players that are improving, you're going to get inconsistencies and a learning pattern, aren't you? You're not going to get the Greg Doherty's of this world every year. You're just not going to get that. So with that fundamental breakdown in uh, player appraisal, we are going to struggle. We haven't got that depth, depth of squad or to compete. I'm looking at the FA Cup draw tonight thinking, God, I hope we don't get somebody, we don't get embarrassed on the national stage. Because <laughs> You wouldn't fancy Liverpool replay at the moment, would you, Andy? Well, 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 Southampton <laughs> are bloody well-organised. Oh god, they yeah, could yeah, they could beat us eight <laughs> 0 I'm not Welcome joking. Not, that's not it's not it's not silly, is it, Andy? I don't know. Well, no, considering you, I, you know, I Peterborough and Portsmouth put numbers biased, then you know it's just every chance, isn't it? Yeah, Southampton so, are one of the best drilled. Well, from from in my opinion, one of the best drilled organised sides in the country, and they're doing yeah. really well in the Premier but, League. But a gauge of a salop team to me is always. Would you put yourself... So when we went down to Arsenal, did I think we had a chance? Absolutely. A puncher's chance because mm. we have players in that team that could handle the ball and could make a difference and we Definitely. could hurt, hurt teams going forward and defend at the back. Did I think we had a chance when we played Wolves uh, season? You know, Because we had players in that team and likes of Doherty and whatever that, that could hurt teams. We had a we you know, method of playing. So that's what I'm talking about. Do I think this team could trouble any of the top? Not a chance. No, nothing. Mm. Not a chance. Well, I was about to say the only thing is, isn't the isn't the FA Cup next round in January? So hopefully, the 9th we might of have, January, I think. Yeah, we've got nine days to get an entirely new squad. That's fine, <laughs> and, no, and work great, with them. We'll, we'll be fine, lads. <laughs> and it was great, wasn't it? You know, for all the problems that we've got, I was just glad to see us go through. Glad that we've got the money. Yes. Glad that we've a bit of income coming into the club. Great to be in the third round draw. All 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 the trimmings that go with that. And you're right. Maybe in in six weeks' time, we might be a different team. You know. Fingers um, crossed. And hopefully he can do his, he, he can add 10% to the players in terms of fitness. You know, we talked about that after the game, didn't he? And yeah. I think that's a, a big thing for us. Confidence is massive. 
there's players in there, the likes of Vela and Norba and all the guys we've talked about, uh, Cummins and Udo, and we've got players in the team. I don't doubt that, but I just don't think we're at the level that some of the supporters think we are. You know, we're a playoff team. I mean, what you know, we're not yeah, that. No, no we're not and not only that, we've actually got a really tough run of fixtures coming up. So for me, I think necessarily could get worse before it gets better. I think the fans need to be quite patient in terms of. Mm. I think they just think, yeah, I think Sunday could help. I think Sunday hopefully will mean the manager will have a bit more time. And well, he's obviously going to have time from the board, but I think time from the fans. He's going <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, he yeah. needs a breathing space too. Well, as I said, that was lots of put of purpose of my tweet. We are fucking dog shit, mm. and it's going to be a lot of work to fix this mess. And and the thing is, Ollie, is my fume is going to be firmly on the players from this point onwards you know they've they've seen off a manager from from their performance level um and regardless of his problems he brought to the party yep he did but now this is on the players you know this is your fresh chance if you can't pick your level up and you can't run through brick walls with this new manager and you can't start putting you know this club and our fans first um then i'm afraid to say you are going to be coming under serious pressure on this podcast for the rest of the season so well, i'm hoping that they do turn it around but don't get, don't yeah, get the I, sense that um that Cotter will stand for it no you will be no. out yeah, I don't think well, he'll be scared of naming names either. There's, there's a few things just to go through in the second half as well, isn't there, before we wrap this game up as well. One of the ones I wanted to talk about was the fact that, um, yeah, Scott Goldborn came back, which is great because he's been one of the sort of decent players this season. We did miss him when he went out and Ethan Landell went off, which was fine. He hadn't really done much. Took another big blow to the head, didn't he, at one point, um, which wasn't great to see. But then it meant Charlie Daniels went to the left of the three centre-backs, which actually improved his performance because we skirted around Charlie Daniels' first half performance, which was up there in maybe all the all-time worst, laziest, <laughs> lame first half performances. He was truly a horrific in the in the second in the first half. Second half, playing centre back, uh, he didn't have to run, which is right up his street. If you can take out the running from his game, he looks a half, half decent League One player. But uh, a question I was going to ask you both really off the basis of this is obviously we've got Pew and Daniels in now until January. My view is there's one I keep and there's one I's not. But I don't know about you, Andy. Would you be looking to keep both of them, one of them or none of them? They've come to the club and their sole you know, intention is to get fit. So we've mm. taken two players on that, 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 are, that are excellent pros and described as their parent club as excellent pros and great guys. But they haven't played for you know, six months. So they, they, yeah. they've come and they're, you know, in their own words, they've just come to get fit. Is that what we're after? I just find it... It doesn't suit our needs, does it? That's not what no. we're after at the no. minute, is it? You know, and I think both are, are excellent pros. They've both been excellent players at the peak of their powers, mm-hmm. uh, and at the minute we're they're, they're they're sort of almost defaulting to a first eleven place every week with players that are you know the young right back for Oxford on Sunday was you know it's a bit embarrassing at times, wasn't it, for a pro of that cal- yeah. you know caliber to be to be given the runaround yeah and, and you know mm. and for all Pew's been been great I think we he's also at the back end of his career isn't it so it's just it's not a direction for me that I'd want to go with a football club it's just not no. and, I, and I'd rather have two 19 year old lads recruited from non-league with potential I just would rather see that I just think we've gone in a different direction and a, it's not a healthy one for me Okay. That's fair, Ollie. I'll ask you the same question. I mean, for me, I think Pew is getting better game on game. I can see his fitness coming, where I can't. I personally can't see that in Daniels at the moment. But I don't know what, what you think at the moment, Ollie, because we're only a month away from decisions being made now. Yeah, Charlie Daniels is clearly a talented footballer. Some of the, we've seen that in glimpses and moments, but League One is all about running. Yeah, it's it's a brutal league in terms of physicality. And while he's brilliant, he's got a brilliant left foot. Um, you've to play left wing back or even left back you've got to do so much running and if we are going to 
if we're going to keep him and play him there, you've got to put a lot of legs around him. And as we've kind of alluded to, you know, I just don't see that, you know, some of our players are blowing out their arse after an hour or maybe even before then. So, yeah, mm. I'm not sure. Pugh offers something. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's put some good balls into the box. Um, but, you know, there isn't always a man in the box. So, yeah, it has to be a perfect cross. So I'm not sure. Um, I, I've been told they're not on, like, you know, they're on kind of our normal wage and stuff. So, in terms of money and stuff but whether they want to stay is another question I don't know um, I guess yeah. the manager needs to weigh it up can he get better players players that as Andy alluded to players that are hungry got the legs and have got some ability then yeah I'll definitely take that but if you know I guess the manager picked them because there wasn't you know he couldn't pick any, he couldn't find anyone else he'd run out of friends uh, and that was, <laughs> that was where we'd uh, where we got which, to which is which is another whole podcast which is another <laughs> podcast about um, yeah rebuilding right, just... this club We've got it's to just wrong, isn't it? Two great pros, two great lads, two great lads with, with lots of ability. Both are not fit, and we're crapping for our lives at the bottom of League One. Yeah. Um, and that's the And like the point you made there, Ollie, about the physicality of League One is, is, is true. Uh, and to be successful, moments of quality will shine through it at times with, with Pew or with Daniels. And we've seen it with Daniels with free kicks and set pieces and things of that nature. He's got a, a wand of a left foot. But it's, you know. Uh, special teams. Do you like your NFL, you two? He's special <laughs> teams, isn't he? Yeah, he's just roll him up the pitch yeah, when we get a free he, kick. There we go. You could wheel him on and off, but, you know, <laughs> I just think that, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We we'll see. Looking yeah. elsewhere, yeah. I think. Spend my money. It's going to be fascinating. Um, but be interesting to what Rick is Cottrell does bring in, a recruitment analyst, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be rebuilt in the club. Um, yeah, we'll have to talk about another day. Yeah. In terms of the rest of the second half, I mean... Edwards got crocked again. It was a horrible yeah. tackle on uh, I him. Mean, he went limping off 10 minutes later. Um, they continue to have good chances. As say, we I give Sarkic credit when for that. Miller came on, though. When Miller came on yes. on the right and Vela went in the middle, I thought we looked a bit more balanced. I, yeah. don't know if I thought Edwards did all right, but on the right flank, we added a bit more physicality. I like Miller. He's, yeah. uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bright spot, isn't he? He's physical. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's fit. He's an athlete, isn't he? You can clearly see he's got a... He's got good movement. He's comfortable on the ball. He's strong. I like him. He seems quite he's smart good. as well. Oh, like his yeah, quick he throw we did a couple of weeks ago. Things yeah, like that. So. He seems quite clever. I think with better players around him, I think he could be a real asset. I think he'd be a, mm-hmm. a real good good addition if we get hold of him. Yep. Need to find the money for him in January, that's for sure. Um, yes, uh, Pure had one cleared off the line, didn't he? A little little lob that was sort of headed oh, off so the line. And then... game, that was. Yeah, it was a bit of passing. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, and then the game, God, the, the, the game went dead then after this because we obviously had the two red cards, um, which sort of you know completely took the impetus out of both teams in some respects. I thought as, as the game went on, there were still chances, but yeah, I mean, both a bit of a shambles. I mean, two yellows for me. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I don't think Pierre really did anything to be honest. I don't know what your no, view is, no. Andy. Pierre did nothing. I don't think yeah. he even deserved a yellow. I thought the guy with the histrionics, I thought he deserved a red. He definitely kicked out yeah. Pierre. Yeah, yeah, yeah he I, did. I, yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he was. I think he would argue that it was accidental. But if you watch his leg movement, uh, it, he definitely knew what he was doing. He knew where he knew where Pierre was, and it was a uh, it was a definite red for me. Uh, and then he conned the linesman, yeah. didn't he? To get, to oh, get it was Pierre embarrassing. Yeah, the histrionics were embarrassing. To be honest, you'll see that back, and they'll it'll cringe. Um, the FA will overturn that. That that red will get overturned for Pierre and. Yeah, and I think the one that he got will will stand. To be honest, I'm not sure whether they appealed it or not, but yeah, it was ridiculous. To be honest, I thought we, uh, I was quite happy to be honest because um, I thought he was a decent <laughs> player. But there you go. Yeah, and it changed the <laughs> of the game. Then for me, we didn't really change formation as such. We just had two centre backs rather than three, and we yeah our wing backs stayed in the same position. And um, yeah, I think actually the sending off actually hurt them more than it hurt us. 
Yeah, yeah. I agree. And in, this, well, in terms of this extra time, um, in the first half of extra time, we had 90% possession. So we absolutely dominated the game, really, after after the sending off. They tired. They, I mean, we talk about our fitness levels, but our fitness levels, as bad as they are in League One, are significantly better than a third division team with part-time players. And as, as more extra time went on, they tied way worse than we did. That's a simple fact of it. And, you know, the, the possession was all ours. We do we did start to create a few more half chances and chances before the goal. And it did feel like a matter of time until we were going to score in some respects as that extra time went on, particularly into to the to second half. But it still wasn't much of a watch. It was still a massive grind and and, and difficult for us to be too excited about it. But they were, they were definitely going going backwards as the half time as the extra time went on i felt sorry for the commentator that was a tough job wasn't it i don't know what <laughs> did, he, did you did you watch it on bt or bbc uh bbc i play yeah i watched yeah, on bbc as well we, yeah. we, on on bt sport you had matthew upson and he absolutely savaged us along with their commentator and he was bang on with everything he said to be fair he picked up all our issues but i don't know what the bbc commentary was like um no they were typical bbc they were glossing over everything to be honest <laughs> yeah uh, trying, to find, sil- trying to find a silver much. lining about things and a Oh, yeah, God, that, that got me equally as riled as the uh, slow passing, to be honest, at one point. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Upson wasn't taking prisoners. He was proper on it. I tell you, he was, there's no pace in, he kept saying there's no pace in this team. We're actually bringing, bang on, mate. And like, where's the desire? Where's the hunger? Where's the yeah. battle of the team? You know, he was completely right. Everything you basically said at the intro, Matthew Upson said the same thing on TV. So there we go. Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing, isn't it? So we can all have our opinions as fans and supporters and all that of your own team and of different teams and all that nature. But I, I you know, I've spoke to Ollie earlier in the season and some of my guys who are friends who are still in the game and you know in league one in particular yeah when, when they give you the peer feedback in terms of their their sort of conclusions around our team it's not favorable you know mm. in terms of lacking pace and lacking a threat and well it, there's quite a bit more to it but i'm not gonna pull our pants down in public but yeah it's not it's not good uh, and I think that's always the most respected opinion isn't it of your peers and people yep, like that, that the pros you know mm. yeah and, and that's not that's not a good sign, is it? You you want respect, no. don't you? But you have to earn that respect, and I don't think we've done that as a side yet. No, definitely not. And go on, Ollie. The goal summed up the game for me. Yeah, it summed up the game. So we brought um, a doe on um, in like the like 67 minutes. He came on for Goss. Um, and then yeah, just before the end of um, end of the full time, Cummings came on for Worley. Um, and then, yeah, in um, in extra time, there was a good cutback from Vela and a, good, a decent shot from Miller, which was really unlucky, actually. That took a deflection and went for a corner. Yeah. And then the goal, so basically, um, yeah, a bit of a scrambled ball. So basically, Pew hits the ball down into the ground, and then it falls to a doe who's just, yeah, a bit of a poacher's finish, just smashed into the back of the net. Um, game game over, really, at that point. Um, yeah. And then before I go to, back to you guys, um, Cummings is obviously so desperate to score that he had a bit of an, um, I don't know how to describe it, without doing too harsh. He was quite greedy, let's put it that way. Um, he could, oh, have, yeah. passed, could have passed to a doe. Um, and he tried to shoot about four times, and he did shoot, um, and he fired wide. But I always, well, he scored a lot of goals for Hibs. He went to Forest, who, well, they're you know they're a bit of a crazy club at times. You know, you don't sign a player, a club of um, Nottingham Forest caliber. You'd hope sign, you know, would sign any sign good players. It feels like there's a player in him, but why is he never fit? He just never seems to be fit. And the manager pointed out that he's not fit in his post match. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Andy. I think, I, I think he's on his way. I think he's um, yeah, he's he's moved on already. I think I think he's um, he's not fit, is he? He's miles away from being fit. And I think Cottrell made some reference to him not playing and all that. But that's that's yeah. fine. But you you train every day of the week, so that, that sits for you. It doesn't sit with Ricketts or the club or, or whatever. That sits with you as a as an individual and a professional footballer to to keep yourself at a certain level of fitness. That's just a 
an easy answer. Um, so whatever's on his mind, he's obviously he's not happy, is he? That's that's no. that's clearly the, the it, way, isn't it? He's not a he's a he'd be a, he'd be a, an exciting addition if he was fit and he was playing part of a two up top. You know, whether I, I saw somebody mention Clark and Cummins up front, that would give us a, a goal threat. Um, mm. But you've got you've got to earn that right, though, haven't you? You've got to yep. earn that right. You, you can't just expect to play and he looks. Like I don't know. I mean, that yellow card at the end it was just a case of he just couldn't. He couldn't be asked. You know, he just couldn't yeah, be asked. And he'd only you know, been easy, on half an hour as well. <laughs> easy way out. Easy way out. Rather than do the hard yards and force him back and face him the other way, he just you know just hacked him down on the halfway line and invited pressure. You know, I'd have, as a manager there, I'd have gone mad. You know, it's just ridiculous. It doesn't help me if, as a club. If, that it's just pathetic, really. Yeah, for me, the telling thing, Andy, was when he made that, that chance at the end and he kept going and kept going and the pass was a doe and he side foots in and it's 2-0. Yeah. The doe just screams, like hugely frustratedly screams. Yeah. And with no crowd there, you can do, just feel how frustrating it must be to try and play out with Jason Cummins because you know he's never going to pass to you. Unless he scored, he ain't ever going to pass the ball. I don't think he'll ever pass the ball to anyone again, to be honest. And no. I, I was one of his biggest sort of... Um, sort of Gave him a lot of credit in on the podcast for, for a while, Ollie, and I was a massive fan of him. I thought he would be the guy to do it. I've kind of lost my, my, my will with him a little bit. And if we moved him on for a little bit of money in January, I'm not sure I'd be that bothered. I'd, I'd go and look for someone a bit more hungry, and that's what well, we like need a, in a relegation a battle. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, but I, I would just say one thing before we wrap Don't this game up, Ollie. Yeah, I thought, yeah exactly. I thought I'd wind you up there, Andy, because he's <laughs> yeah, cheers, yeah, yeah. A, a guy who scored 16 goals for you in one season, which we haven't had since Collins, we just got rid of. But for me, just a yeah. song comings, and, and maybe I don't really give it, I don't really care. Um, he's been crap for us. Um, he's probably on mm. a decent whack. Uh, probably just paying more more FIFA and then really working hard in training. Um, but if that's the culture of the team, yeah. he does that stupid foul and he's just in it for me. It just just, just shows how corrupt this team is. Um, oh, it's bonkers. Big job. There's not what there's not what there's not one player on the pitch, and I watch. You know, give him a give him a, a mouthful there, and and that totally warranted it. You know, just put the put the extra yard in. And taking the other way rather than hacking him down, and you know they could have sent everybody up there, the cavalry or whatever, one long ball, flick on goal. You know we're we're at penalties, all because someone mm. couldn't do the extra yard of running. It's just wrong, absolutely wrong for me. Uh, it just no, says a lot no about where it. we are as a club right now, to be honest. And I, and he, anyway, you know he bought some, you know he's got some bank balance there, hasn't he? Because he did some great things for us in the cup run last year and all that. But that can't mm. last forever, can it? You know I think no. we're long past that. No, people forget he came on as a sub in that Liverpool game. He didn't start that game, did he? With Shab- <laughs> no. What no, you need to know about Jason Callum Cummins' Lang- time at Shrewsbury? You know, Callum Lang ran his nuts off for 60 minutes yep. and got no joy at it. You know, I mean, that's, that's the unfair bit about it, isn't it? Football sometimes, but there you go. <sighs> well, if we only we could have got him and, and McElhaney, we would have definitely been in a better situation than we are now. McElhaney's doing really, really well for Oldham. Another one that at the end of last season, Ricketts had a look at and somehow managed to not get a deal done, which is which is interesting. Anyway, there we go. I'm going a bit off tangent. Um, the only thing I was going to say on the end of that game, Ollie, is you described Pugh as hitting the ball down into the ground, which was really kind because he completely shanked a shot. So <laughs> there we go. That's why it summed up the whole game for me. In his defence, I think it Cummins put him off, actually. You, you'll hear him, you hear him shout, Pewey, Pewey. Yeah. And I think it was Cummins initially was going to go with the left foot and Pew sort of half went for it and then sort of half pulled out the shot, didn't he? Which is why he duffed it into the ground yeah. and then... Great pass. Um, Great pass, lads. There we go. Great um, pass, yeah. <laughs> Top threes then. Go on, Andy. Um, Ollie, you start this week. Yeah, so this is a straw, to be honest. I think there's one clear man in there. Um, I went for, for Sarsic in terms of he was... I thought he was really good. Um, I think yep. I think he's by, by far the better goalkeeper of the three. Yeah, and, um, you know, you played centre-back and you learn more about defending than me. But if you've got a goalkeeper you're not sure about, that's going to send jitters through the side. So hopefully he can stay fit. And then, then I guess really a bit of a mash-up, really. I thought Goss did all right. 
not mm. like really excelling, and I went for a doe because I couldn't really think of anyone else. <laughs> okay, well, I, I went for Sarkic as well. Definitely man of the match. And, and I agree, we are starting to see our first team goalkeeper emerge, and I think that'll be that from now on. Um, and again, I went, I went for, I put Goss in my top three, but I gave him a third. I thought for a man coming in and hasn't played a lot of football, he was solid and steady, and performed no worse or no better than someone like Oli Norbun who plays every week, which is interesting to me. And then I gave second however to Wally. I just thought he does, he is the one that's given us a bit of drive at the moment, and drifted out the game as it went on, and obviously got subbed off. But for, for the first half, he was about the only one really that you could get excited about when we went forward. So that was my top three. Have you had, have you had a thought about top three, Andy? <laughs> um, no, Sarsic, which says it all, with number one by by a distance mm. which against Oxford City in the FA Cup, is is not what you want ideally, is it? But there we are. Uh, I thought Wally worked <laughs> his socks off, um, so he'd be number two. And I thought Miller, uh, I think he's a good yeah. football player. I think he his attitude towards the game, I think, puts others to maybe he's easy example. I think of how to approach a game and how to go about your business. He'd be a, mm. he'd be number three. He's a good okay. professional. Good stuff. And yeah, then, yeah, we don't very impressed, does he? What, what he sees around him. <laughs> get the impression from him. He seems well, a... he was told he was coming to a big club. Yeah, so firstly, with uh, big aspirations. So he's probably wondering and what's going attacking, on. Football and, yeah, as well. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. He's probably being in touch with the trade descriptions to see if they can get some flight money back. <laughs> yeah, I'd be back to Australia summertime if I was him in January. I'd be thinking, oh, it's, it's been fun to come and play in England for a bit, but I do fancy another. <laughs> I don't want to spend the rest of January, February and well, <laughs> March and April that. in England. <laughs> if, if he wants to push on his career, he'll need to try and stay here. So it'd be interesting mm. one to watch, but I know what you mean. Newcastle's not the best place in the world I've been there. You know, um, it's not the the most idyllic place, but um, oh, really? okay. um, yeah, it's a bit of an industrial kind of town, if I remember right. Big harbour and stuff, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he pushes on. But yeah, for me, he's one of the decent signings in, in the summer. So yeah, I guess let's let's cover off what the manager had to say, and um, yeah, let's um, let's put this pod to bed. Um, so what did the manager say? Um, you know, he said he was pleased that some of the things he worked on came across. He said, possession-wise, we're okay, but we're impatient, gave the ball away. I think he's trying to be kind, to be fair. He said, you know, we were up tight um, and giving passes away. In the second half, we were a bit better and we came better. Um, he said the thought that Cummings was good, but needs to get fitter, and he hasn't played a lot of football. And he said there's a lot of them in this squad. And then there's a few interesting tidbits. <laughs> so he said, um, this squad is too big. He's really positive about Sarcic, but he's talking about it. This is where this is where we've almost in a different league because Sam Ricketts wouldn't say anything. Literally, just like if you wrote down what he said, you'd read it and you'd be like, oh, like he doesn't really say right. anything. There's no context or depth to his conversation. But in one interview, um, um, basically Cottrell's told us more about this team than Sam Ricketts did all season. Yeah. So he talked about Sarkic's distribution, about choosing the right options, scanning the pitch. Um, so that was quite interesting. Um, and then he talked about about when we get past a man and when we you know break their lines, we we you know just make the wrong choice all the time. So obviously that's something he's picked up. He's going to work on. Um, and he he shared that he picked the team at five a.m. and when he woke up and he couldn't sleep. Um, I guess probably because he knows what his job he's got on hand. Um, but he said maybe he worked hard, lads, a bit too hard yesterday working on things. Um, but yeah, really really interesting post match. I don't know Andy if you heard all of it. Um, but it was for me. It was really insightful and just a breath, breath of fresh air. Yeah, you have to read between the lines, don't you? With any yeah, um, yeah, yeah. manager speak, don't you? But I think it's 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 it did speak volumes, didn't it? Fitness was number one. Um, if if you know anybody from the outside in would say the same thing, wouldn't we? we we're a yard sharp, less sharp than we need to be. Um, I think there's one or two need to to lose some poundage, if I'm yeah. honest. 
there's a few um, extra pounds and there's a, yeah there's been a few extra carbs being taken over the this season yeah, long, so. some of them seems like muscle mass. You know, they've been in that gym even <laughs> too much, and and just got. Well, do you not? Do you not think, particularly the centre backs? Yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's relaxed muscle. I don't think. I've got a lot of you being too kind there, Glenn. To be fair, I, I yeah, don't know. I, I, I don't do know. Well. No, I. Just, okay. I, I, I um. You got a bunch of fatties. This, we'll be blaming the strip next. Um, no. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Today's footballer just needs to be of a certain ilk, doesn't it, to do the miles that they need mm. to do and all that sort of stuff. And I think we can say what we want, can't we? But the, the results bear it out. The amount of late goals that we've conceded or capitulated towards the end of games would bear that thought process out, wouldn't it? So rather than what we say, it's it's, it's irrelevant. <coughs> the results are the are the key indicator, aren't they? And they're not great, are they? So it's a terrible. I, I thought one game go. thirteen. Yeah, I thought that uh, vertical strikes were supposed to be slimming, so it shows what I know. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave the game there. We, we won't do a cut now. We'll just go straight into this, guys. But um, we've obviously got two games coming up this week, which probably is good. You know, we need to get playing and with the new manager and him learning as much as he can. And um, we've obviously got Charlton uh, at home at the weekend, which is going to be a, a fascinating game um, with the histrionics of the last few kind of times against them. But on Wednesday, obviously, the positive thing about this week, um, on top of getting a manager back, is that some of us, um, Shrewsbury Town fans, will be able to go back and watch a live game of football at the meadow which is great because it's not rickets ball anymore and so there is going to be that sort of up upswing in kind of positivity i think at the game on wednesday whereas if rickets had been there on wednesday it would have been like a bloody death march but um yeah so Accrington on wednesday and then charlton at home on on saturday and you know ollie it's going to be tough for you isn't it then the club have put out this that they're, they're hoping that people from um sort of uh areas that are in the third tier which i think you you are where you live can't shouldn't really come which is I, i'm gutted for you really not being able to come but um yeah you, you're just gonna have to watch it and i follow aren't you this week, mate. Yeah, I will. So yeah, <laughs> you'll be able to. In some ways, in some ways, it maybe help because there's some contentious moments and stuff. Yeah, true. I'll watch the replays and stuff. I can make myself a nice cup of tea at half time. Um, and if it's raining <laughs> and we're losing five 0 I'm gonna drive home. But uh, yeah, I'd obviously much rather be at the game. Obviously, I've yep. missed it, and you just see it. You see so much more. God, imagine if we'd actually watch these players in real life. <laughs> um, mm where we might be so mm. yeah I, i'm not going to make i'm going to stick by the rules i'm not going to break yeah. them and potentially i'll miss two games and hopefully dudley dudley even though i'm like on the edge of <laughs> i'm isolating i don't see anyone um i just work from home all the time and i live like yeah as i say not very far from the shropshire borders but anyway it is what it is yeah i guess it might be a while to your back at a game as well andy from, from being you know up, it's been hardly uh, yeah born. the north of england will be in tier three till about 2022 so, um, <laughs> tier three well, you'll be in tier four mate what are you talking about <laughs> this is very true anyway i still get the uh, the i follow experience i, I always match it yeah. in the bbc because normally by about sort of half past four we're about 15th and then by obviously quarter to five we're back in the bottom three so it's uh <laughs> it's a regular it, it won't even happen this week will it because we're too far adrift but you know yeah it's um well, yeah, I, I don't want to come across as too smug, um, but I will be there on Wednesday and Saturday. But if I can, I've already I've got my ticket for Wednesday, and, and we'll see what they do about ticket allocations for Saturday. But it is going to be an interesting week, isn't it? And it's definitely a game where we could do, a week where we could do at least with one win. You know, it feels like Accrington's probably the best chance. But we'll do our predictions for Charlton, um, Ollie, this week, and uh, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Yeah, I think we could get annihilated. Oh God, uh, Charlton side. <laughs> you know, Lee Bowyer is a really good manager. You talk about a manager that just still covers the basics, really well-drilled team. Um, you know, he's come on leaps and bounds as a manager since um, we beaten them in the playoffs. Um, for me, it could be maybe 3-1 to Charm. Oof, he, you you know, it could be worse than that, to be honest. Um, I think Charm are one of the best teams in the league. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's going to be tough. I don't know what Andy, what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, I see goals. Um, I'll say three all. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So the high scorer with Charlton. Uh, I always think there's always goals in them games. So yeah, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for three all. I'll, I'll try and do something different this week, Ollie. I'm gonna go for us to shut up shop, have a bit more grit about us under our new manager, and and fight our way to a credible nil nil. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I could see it being something terrible. Like I don't know, just the ironic thing of having fans back and putting in a nil-nil would be pretty funny. But uh, it's being as positive as it can be. No one sees a win. I mean, just just on on hand, does anyone see us beating Accrington? Ollie, do you? Oh, Stanley are a funny side. They're doing all right, aren't they? Mid-table. You never know. We could have a miracle. Um, we could, yeah, have an own goal and something like that. Um, great start. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm yeah. As we said a lot on this podcast, there's a lot of work to go until we're a functional mm. League One side. Um, I'm hopeful, um, and that's one of the good things, I guess, is that we're all kind of all behind the team again. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed we can get something, but um, I wouldn't put any bets on Shrewsbury. <laughs> I don't know. The 2,000 fans there, hope, I'm hoping, makes a little bit of a difference and starts to help us turn a corner um, and, and just get us something positive and not lose, I suppose, at home. But, um, yeah, it's going to be another tough week and it's going to be tough all the way through to January, I guess, until we can start to make some changes. So, um, yeah, I think we've we've probably put this one to bed, Ollie. So, yeah, Andy, thanks for coming on again and uh, giving us that insight from behind the, the changing room doors, I suppose, which is what we get sometimes, which is fascinating getting you on. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have you on again somewhere down the line. And, uh, yeah, enjoy I follow for the moment. We do feel for you. No, no, enjoy the game, boys. I, uh, I fancy for Accrington. I don't know why. I oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, they usually sort of start to fall away about this time of year, don't they? <laughs> we had that great them. game, didn't we, last year, where um, Ado scored. Um, we went in yep. extra time. The away so game. You never know. Yeah, the away yeah. game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the away game, yeah, so... Do you know, it's funny you say that, is that that's one of those games from last season which sticks in my mind. Proper on the terraces job, away from home, all the yeah. fans around you, guys you know. I, I'm missing that so much. And I know and I know you guys will be as well. But um, yeah, that's the worst thing about football at the moment, isn't it? Not being able to be there and, and see it happening every week. So yes, cheers for, cheers for joining us, Andy. And Ollie, we shall be back next, we'll be back on Sunday next week, won't yeah. we? Um, covering the two games this week. <laughs>